It's good to be at St. George's Church this morning. Good for us to be gathered for the worship of Almighty God. Good for us to be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ who is risen from the dead. And good for us to have this opportunity to connect as bishop and congregation on the occasion of the bishop's annual visitation. I am grateful to you all here at St. George's for your hospitality, which began to be extended to me shortly before the 7.30 service, and which has continued throughout the morning. Good to, uh, good to be the recipient of that hospitality, that gracious hospitality this morning. Uh, but I am also grateful to you all, above all things, for your leadership here at St. George, uh, St. George's Church in the mission and ministry of our diocese. Grateful for that leadership. I've, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Uh, the Diocese of Tennessee, as it is presently constituted, is just simply unimaginable without the leadership of St. George's. So we are incredibly grateful to you all for that gift of leadership as a congregation. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to your clergy here at St. George's Church, to Colin, your priest in charge, and to uh, your other clergy as well, David this morning, and Caroline, and Richard, and others who have been helping me throughout the morning. Grateful to them for their leadership, not just here at St. George's Church, but also more widely in the life of the Diocese of Tennessee. Grateful for that gift of leadership. And I'm also grateful to your vestry as well for its leadership, especially in this time of transition here at St. George's Church. Grateful to them for that leadership and for their good stewardship as well of the resources that have been given you all here at St. George's Church for the mission and ministry of the church. Grateful to them for that gift. And I am also grateful to uh, all of uh, the folk who are involved in the ministry of this congregation, uh, your professional staff here, as well as the many volunteers who resource the mission and ministry of our diocese and the ministry of this congregation. It, re it really does take a lot of people to uh, resource the lively ministries in a congregation like St. George's. So I'm grateful for that. But above all, I'm grateful to you all who are here today. Grateful for your leadership. You may not think about yourselves as leaders, but uh, you are. That's the call of God to us. And I've got evidence that you all are leaders in the mission and ministry of the Diocese of Tennessee because I can, I can see you. You all are the ones who, by your prayers and presence, are making it possible for us to be the church here at this time, in this place. And I'm incredibly grateful to you all for that fundamental act of leadership in the church that you all are exercising by your prayers and presence. It is truly good for us to be here today, here together at St. George's Church. From our gospel this morning, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Pundits and pollsters tell us that the partisan divide in our country is as bad as it's ever been. Not only are we divided, but animosity is on the rise. 
People feel threatened by opponents who in turn are viewed by those people as evil and wicked, not just on the opposite side of things, but actually evil and wicked. Now, we all agree this state of affairs is a shame, except when it comes to our own enemies, who, of course, deserve our suspicion. They really are bad guys. So it goes on and on in a seemingly unstoppable cycle of animosity. Well, Jesus' teaching in our reading today, drawn from the Gospel of John, stands in stark counterpoint to this state of affairs. Jesus is speaking after the Last Supper and the foot washing of Maundy Thursday. That's the context. Here in John's Gospel, Jesus not only teaches us to love God and to love our neighbor as oneself, summing up the teaching of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, Jesus not only does that, a kind of unidirectional commandment laid upon the individual, in other words, get cracking, love God, love your neighbor, the kind of thing that we each are called to do individually. But here in John's Gospel, Jesus calls us further to the two-way love of loving one another. Not that unidirectional, here, here's, your, here's your commandment, love God, love the neighbor, but here in this teaching, this new commandment, as Jesus says, we're called to the two-way love of loving one another. In other words, it's a call to mutual love, the kind of love we discover only in community. Elsewhere in the New Testament, following Jesus' lead here in John's Gospel, the apostolic writers talk about this over and over again. In the letter to the Hebrews, we read, let mutual love continue, the 13th chapter of Hebrews. Let mutual love continue. Here, it's summing up so much of St. Paul's teaching in his letters about the love that is meant to prevail in the Christian community. Love one another with mutual affection, Paul writes in Romans in the 12th chapter, underscoring the theme, love one another with mutual affection. Or St. Peter in his first letter where he writes to the churches in Asia, now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. Jesus' teaching in our gospel is all about the mutual love 
that Christians are called to in the community of the church. We cannot love each other without being in relationship with each other. Love in the abstract is just that, abstract, unreal and unrooted and unsecured by relationship with real people. Love in the abstract lends itself to lip service without any real demands of relationship with actual particular people. Love like that is meme-worthy, but it is abstract. It's not connected to actual people. We need each other, real people, in order to keep the new commandment of love for one another. We need the community. This is part of the urgency of the apostolic letters. St. Paul and St. Peter and the other writers know exactly how difficult love and community can be. That's why they're on about it. Let mutual love continue. Love one another with mutual affection. Love one another deeply from the heart. It's a recurrent theme. Love and community can be difficult. Show me people who are irritated with each other, and I will show you people who are closely related. That's how it works. It's easy for us to come into conflict with those we are close to because we're close. Nevertheless, the apostle tells us we must love one another deeply from the heart. Love like this in the church only comes about through Jesus' love of us. We can't, we can't manufacture this for ourselves. We can't produce that kind of love on our own. It only comes about through Jesus' love of us. As he says in our gospel, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. God's love makes us lovely. God's love makes us lovely. Not because we have to earn that love, we don't, or because we're worthy of it already, we're not, but because it's God's gift to bestow. It's the kind of God that God is, the giver of gifts, and the greatest of these is love. This gift of love binds us together in a way we could never manufacture by ourselves, by shared experiences or shared opinions, God forbid, or by a common will. It is a gift that Jesus gives us together a connection that St. Augustine called so pleasant a bond, so pleasant a bond, so that we can love each other with mutual love.
That love is stronger than death. For God raised Jesus from the dead. Love stronger than death. Remember, Jesus taught his disciples to love each other as they shared the Last Supper and as he washed their feet on that Maundy Thursday. Acts of faithful fellowship and loving service as we pursue our life in the church we will continue to have opportunities for ministry that will build up our life together. I hope our confirmands are listening closely, sharing a common life of fellowship and service will make for mutual love among the members and will make concrete the love of Christ for us, that love that makes us lovely. Jesus' teaching about love may not clear up the animosity we find in our society, but imagine the leavening effect over time of Christians who love each other. If we can start there, we will be, we will be making a good start. We all have lessons to love when it comes to mutual love. But here our confirmands are showing us the way by their willingness to step into the spotlight and reaffirm their baptismal vows to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to receive the laying on of hands with prayer. And we all share this Holy Communion today as an effective sign of Jesus' love for us, a gift that makes us lovely for no merit of our own. It makes us lovely, that kind of love. Jesus loves us, and so we ought to love one another. Now to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, let us ascribe as is most justly due all might, power, majesty, and dominion this day and forever.